Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 18 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. Thanks for joining us today. I will be interviewing Paula and Mary Ellen McPhail of O'Shea's FASD in Scotland. Paula and Mary Ellen McPhail formed O'Shea's FASD, a social enterprise based in air with a mission of supporting families and children living with FASD. Mary Ellen and Paula are a mother and daughter team who share their personal lived experience of caring for children with FASD and living with the condition. They are passionate in educating people about FASD, and they have over 21 years of lived experience of strategies that children with FASD can thrive and have better outcomes. What does O'Shea's FASD do? They run workshops for teachers, social workers, and foster carers where they can learn to identify the different symptoms of FASD, coping mechanisms, and how to support children living with FASD. Welcome to today's episode. I am so, so excited to have our guests today. I've been waiting for them for months and and scheduling conflicts, and I have been very busy these past few months. But you are going to listen to the loveliest family that I know, and they are such pioneers in the UK and in Scotland for FASD advocacy. They've taken their family's journey and they've turned it into an amazing nonprofit organization that helps people in the UK, in Scotland. Also, they're going to be growing their advocacy. So we'll be sharing that. So I am so thrilled to welcome to FASD Hope Mary Ellen and Paula McPhail of O'Shea's FASD. Mary Ellen and Paula, welcome to FASD Hope. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Oh, I'm so excited. We've been talking for a little while before I started recording and I said, wait, we need to start recording. (laughs) (laughs) I've become friends with Mary Ellen and Paula through just social media, Clubhouse. We're on Clubhouse together um, and just listening to their journey. We've made so many wonderful connections and I am so excited. I want to shine a spotlight on the work that they're doing because it's so important and because they're really in a place where there's not many advocates for FASD. There's not many advocates for prevention, for, you know, understanding and research. So again, they've taken their, their family's journey and they've turned it into a mission. So let's just talk about your family's FASD journey and how things started for you all. So for me, it started, so it all started with my brother, um, Taylor, um, he got diagnosed with FASD two and a half. Uh, the reason he got diagnosed with FASD was because he was going to get adopted to a family 
they didn't want a child with um, any alcohol exposures or drug exposures um, or any disabilities, basically. And his needs weren't going to get met to this family. So my mum was on the panel at the time and she got the report from my brother's um, adoption papers and they took out everything about the drugs and the alcohol. They took it all out and it was basically as if he didn't have anything wrong with him. He was just, he was, didn't get down drugs, alcohol and his system. It was just, he was a perfect new baby and he was walking at this time. Um, it took him two and a half to walk because it, because he just didn't want to walk, he can bum shuffle everywhere, <laughs> so he just didn't want to walk. I think um, um, Taylor did, um, he did everything on his terms and wanted to walk when he was ready, no when we said he was ready, and he did the same with talking. So at the beginning, we had speech and language therapy involved, we had OT involved because he wouldn't stand, wouldn't wait bearing on his legs. Um, we had um, psychology because we know that the symptoms are behavioural and he was like banging his head and things like that. So we got all them on board and we got a diagnosis of FASD only because mum had said, yeah, I had a drink while I was pregnant, which was really brave of her to do that. And I, I just think that opened loads of doors for Taylor to getting the diagnosis that he deserved. But when Taylor came, he we were told he would never be able to sit, walk or talk. And I think I see a theme of that. I, I hear of a theme of that, that this is what they're saying about kids with FASD, but that's not the case. I mean, he's his first year at high school and he's academic. He is thriving. He's surviving. And he is doing everything that we were told he wouldn't be able to do and made that real logo that we have, the wee octopus. I, I just wanted to say that what you're sharing, what you're both sharing shows and it, it totally demonstrates how one person that has an FASD is different than another person, you know, and so often society says, oh, well, you're not going to be able to do this because, you know, you're not at this stage. And what I hear from you saying, especially with your brother, um, Paula, is that we just have to let people that have an FASD develop in their own time. So I, I just, I hear you saying that so, so wonderfully. So I'm sorry. So please continue. So I got a later on diagnosis. So I wasn't diagnosed to the age of 16. And it was quite tough to get my diagnosis because at the time I was in foster care. And so I was in fourth year and that's when your exam starts here in Scotland. And all my friends had gone their own with the different classes and I was um, really struggling with the exams. And I asked my mum, I could see a lot of me and my wee brother. And I said, maybe I've got what Taylor's got and would I be able to any way of finding out if I've got this? Mum says, we could ask to go and see the doctors about it. So we asked my social worker and they said no, uh, that my mum and dad were just trying to label me. Um, I was fine, I was a normal girl. Um, I was just lazy, I just didn't want to do the work. Um, so it took, to, I got through, at the time the NHS was doing a pilot for FASD. 
So they were training and diagnosing children with um, FSD. So I managed to get through them. But the only way to get through to them was for a LACNASH. So it's looked after nurse for when you're in foster care. You get that when you start at five and they're with you until you're 15. And my mum went to her and says, do you think that Paul would have FSD? Um, and she looked back at all the notes and she says, definitely take her to the doctors and get her um, seen to it. And that's how we got through. And I got through the NHS pilot section and it was Rainbow House here, it's called. Um, and it took a year to get a diagnosis because we had OT, um, speech and language, psychology and the memory was a big bit as well and um, so I finally got the diagnosis of FSD and I was quite relieved to get it because before that I thought it was just me and I was just stupid and it was me and then when I realised that it wasn't my it was my brain basically um, it made me be more confident in myself and be able to do things more because we could put things in place to help you achieve your difficulties because we were told that we knew that Paula was a visual learner and we knew that if we put down on paper like wash your face, brush your teeth, this is what you wear today and we had this in structure, social work didn't like that if you are a neurotypical child. So you can't be seen doing that to a child that's no go a disability so basically I was told I can't do that so I didn't do that but once we got the diagnosis of FASD we could start putting things into place for Paula and start to accommodate her needs and that made it really good for you because you were in you come in late every single night uh, 20 minutes late every single night you also came in stressed out because she knew that she was late when she came through the door we didn't know at that time that Paula had no awareness of the time. She had no concept of time. So it was like, you're to be in for nine o'clock, Paula. Okay, so she would watch her watch. And as soon as it said nine o'clock, she would start to come home. And she was late every single night for 20 minutes each time. And I was like, leave 20 minutes early and you'll get in in time. So things were, were really difficult between Paula and mum and dad, me and dad, because it was... We were always, we always have confrontation because she was always late. She never cleaned up her room. She was always like every morning, it was like, go and wash your face, go and brush your teeth, go and do this. And it wasn't until we decided to look for other avenues of what could this be. And we went and we got the diagnosis of FASD. We started putting things in place. And Paula had meltdowns and it lasted for hours and hours and I used to say to look and you know what it's like and when they're having meltdowns and they're falling your boot and they're screaming and you're like just go to your room and calm down give me five minutes so that I can get myself and she just followed me and wouldn't and it wasn't until we got the diagnosis and I says to her how can we make it better how do we stop these meltdowns and she said, just cuddle me. And I was like, seriously, <laughs> just cuddle me. So every time Paula came to the door after school, I would open up the door with open arms. <laughs> and we never had a meltdown after that. And that's huge because what you're sharing, Mary Ellen, and what 
you're sharing, Paula, is that the need for connection when our kids are so dysregulated, I've read, and I know, Marianne, you've heard too, that an escalated adult can't calm down a dysregulated child or an, or an escalated child. So what you did by asking her what she needs, and then Paula wonderfully sharing, this is what I need. You came up with this accommodation that you're actually preventing escalation by saying, this is what she needs right now. So that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Please continue. So then after school, um, so I didn't get any support. Well, I did get support, but I didn't get the support that I needed. And it wasn't until we went to a conference here in Scotland where we are, and it was a big, massive conference with like the head of education, head of the police department, the head of fire, head of everywhere. And at the time I was doing my talk, at the time it was saying how I wasn't getting supported at school, and the head of education came to me after my talk and says, what school do you go to? And I told her, and she asked what teacher I had, and I told her. And that was a Friday, and by the Monday, I got the support that I needed in school. <laughs> <laughs> um, then after school, I went to college to do childcare. And in the beginning, of the college promised me all the supports that I was going to get, and I needed, and they didn't give me it. Because he says they didn't have any money or the enough staff to do it. So I had to leave college and I said to mum, what am I going to do now? Because that was my career and I don't know what I'm going to do now. And she's like, do you know what? Why don't we run our own business about FASD? Because we know what it is. We, we know the strategies. So why don't we just make it into a business? So that's how we started Ozzy's FASD. Um, and we started our process and getting our, we tried to figure out whether we wanted to be a charity or whether we wanted to be a community interest company. Because we did want to go the charity route because we didn't want to get any money from it. We just wanted doges. But you had to have a board for that and we didn't have enough people. So we decided to go down the community interest um, company. And that's how we are. And that's how we got voices. <laughs> That is wonderful. And I love O'Shea's. I love visiting your website. I love visiting your social media and everything. You all are really out there. In fact, when, when we started FASG Hope, O'Shea's was one of the first places we looked at to say, wow, look what they're doing over in Scotland and, and look at the many things that you're offering. So that is such a wonderful story of how you took your family's journey and Paula, how you advocated for yourself, and Mary Ellen, how you learned how to advocate for your kids, and then saying, okay, I know we're not the only ones in this. In fact, there are many people in our situation. How can we help them? So Mary Ellen, let's talk more about how O'Shea's has developed over the years and, and how it's grown. Yeah, we have um, we started up with um, support groups. That's how we started because he, I felt there was a need for support. And because when you get diagnosed here, when Paula got a diagnosis of FASD, we got like a bit of paper, and Paula got a bit of paper with a with a shape of a brain, and they looked at her brain, and it was like the nine bits of the brain they looked at, and they said that there were six parts of Paula's brain damaged at the nine. 
and that that was like mind blowing. And I was like, see, so then it was like, if you need anything, go to your GP. There was no aftercare, and I was like, wow, this doesn't feel right. It doesn't. It doesn't sit comfortable with me that your child has got six parts of her brain that's in the red zone, but here you go, go on with it. <laughs> so we decided that we would start a charity, as Paula explained, and we didn't end up that way because we didn't have any board members. So we went for the not-for-profit organisation and we started our first ever support group. And we had about six families that came along to that, six families that we managed to get to know through the the project that they'd done with the National Health Service. And we grew that. Um, and it was that was called, at the time it was called Ishnaran's FASD support group. And then I took it over as Ogier's FASD support group. And since then we have met other families. I think right now we're supporting about 30 or 40 families. And we are, we run kids groups and we are supporting about 60 kids. And the kids are, they were coming twice a month to a group. With COVID hitting, we don't, we, we, we don't have the group anymore and we don't have the room anymore. So we are now seeking premises so that we can continue doing that. And we're really excited about that. That's our next adventure. So actually establishing a location for, for you all to meet. That's wonderful. I love hearing a brick and mortar location for, for O'Shea's. That's, that's terrific. And how you've grown 30 families. That is amazing. I mean, I am just so happy to hear the growth. Another announcement is you are both taking the facets training and the facilitator training please share that because i believe that's going to be one of the first facets facilitators in europe and especially in the uk share a little bit about how you both are starting that journey well this is super exciting for us because when we found out about um fesd and we started researching it and the things that came up was look at diane malvin's try differently rather than harder and i love the book it sits next to my bed and if i find me in trouble i pick it up and i look through looking for answers and i absolutely adore her work and I can't get enough research about her. So I contacted Facets to find out a wee bit more about Diane's work. And then that's when I noticed that they were doing facilitating training. And I was like, whoa, can we get into that? And she's like, you need to do a six weeks course first. And then if you kind of pass that, you'll get on. So we managed to get funding together. And we got it funded and we got the money to pay for that, which was amazing. Because I think we as um, facilitators are going to learn so much and we will be able to give that to other people. So it's super exciting times coming ahead with facets. And we've had our first of a six weeks training and we had that on Thursday there. And I have learned so much within that two hours. I just like it's so eye-opening and I'm like wow and the way we talk it's 
we, we say brain damage and it's not. And I quickly found that out. It's not brain damage, it's a brain difference. And it's the way we speak and it's the way we say it. And it's made me think about the way I'm saying things. So I just love that training and can't wait to be a facilitator. What about you, Paula? I think it's exciting as well. And it's good to know more information about FASD. And obviously, because Canada is like 30 years in front of Scotland. So we are still got lots to learn. So I think for going on to this course, we're going to learn hundreds by the end of it. And we're going to, and it's good to have the knowledge, knowing that putting into our presentation and knowing that we are teaching the right things. I know that we're, we are teaching the right things here, but we're teaching, um, we're all teaching the same, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's what it should be. We should all be teaching the same. Yes. And that is wonderful. I am so excited for you both and that you're both facilitating. So as a, a self-advocate and as a parent advocate, you are both going to be this amazing team because you have two perspectives of FASD and going through the facilitator training together. I am so excited for you both. I took, I took the training, um, the, the three-day training, and I learned, like you said, I mean, the, the first couple hours, you know, it's, it's really amazing when you learn the science behind FASD and other brain-based diagnoses. And what I also tell people is that when you look at it as, okay, this is your brain works differently. And just like if you weren't able to walk or if you weren't able to see, you would make accommodations for that. So that's what facets is about is this is the diagnosis and this is the science behind the diagnosis. And then this is how your brain works best with accommodations. So I agree with you. I mean, to me, I think facets is the gold standard in training. So I'm so excited that you both are doing that. Oh, that's great. And you know, I love you both. I'm going to have you on the show again, probably at the end of the year. So you can update me and let me know how things are going. So, so that's wonderful. So let's talk about you told me that you you work with about 30 families. What other services or programs or events does O'Shea's FASD provide for your community? So we provide workshops. So uh, that's we teach professionals and families and foster carers. Anybody who's working with children with FASD, we teach them about FASD and what it is and the strategies with it as well. Uh, we also we run support groups, kids support groups and families support groups. We run foster care support groups, birth parents support groups. Um, Our birth parent. We have a birth parent that runs the birth parent support group. So that um, that's great. And we're seeing that grow. And I think we've got about four birth parents yes. involved where our birth parent support group which is getting stronger um which is good mm-hmm. and I think it's about it's not about naming and shaming people it's about getting the right information for to learn for your kids to develop into the young adults that we want them to be um what else do we do we also do um 
Paula's, when we started this journey, Paula wanted to educate schools and colleges. And that was her aim. And mine was to educate foster carers and adopters because I'm obviously a foster carer and I've, I've acquired the three kids that I've got through um, fostering them first and then they, I adopted three of them who now have FASD and it's so difficult and they're so also different as you know and I think um, educating foster carers because they, our kids go from placement to placement and once I had a wee boy that was five and he had ten placements nobody understood him nobody got him nobody and when they knew I had kids with FASD and they were like will you take them on and I was like I've got three kids with FASD and taking on another one would just be, it would be far too much to ask. So I, I did, I took him on waiting for him to get a forever family and then helped them pick the forever family for this wee boy. And it was the perfect family for him. And he's there and he's getting adopted and they understand him because he, we, we trained them into how he works which that was good. Wow. Wow. So you all are just touching so many areas in your community, helping so many different areas in your community through O'Shea's. I love that. Before we continue, I'd love for you to share with our audience members how you got the name O'Shea's and the logo, because I know there's a great story behind that. So we got the logo and the name of OJ's from Taylor. Because when Taylor was in primary three, um, he was eight or nine, he wrote his own story. And when Taylor does something, we're all like, oh my God, that's amazing. Because we get told that he would never do it. We're like, that's a big deal. And he's like, I just wrote a book. <laughs> so uh, when he gave me this book, we were like, oh, that's amazing. So what the book was about was... Um, Ozzy the octopus got invited to a birthday party by Donnie the dolphin and it was a shit birthday party so he had to go and borrow socks from all his friends so like Martin McFly, Bugs Bunny, Captain Hook and he got he borrowed all the socks, he went to the birthday party, he went down the shoot and then he washed them and gave them all back and that's how we got the name of Ozzy's and the logo because he drew a wee octopus it was like a boots ones we've got um, so the, in the, the NHS was starting up the FASD, they were looking for a logo and we said Taylor drew a, a, made a book and he drew an octopus, maybe you can use that as the logo and they said yes and they made it as like with like curly, curly legs. legs rather than the welly boots legs and they used that as their logo for, any, uh, for FASD and then when we wanted to start up our own business so we asked for it back but it says we couldn't use their logo but we made it into what tails drawn actually looked like so with the welly boots and things so that's how we I think they offered us it back because when we started up um it, there were his octopus was on quite a few of their documents and they had started to like progress with that and then when we decided to move like do her own stuff because Paula was told that she wouldn't be able to do it so I was like I want Paula to have a paid job and be successful so we decided to do this and they were the NHS were like well you know you'll probably be wanting it back then and we said 
well, at first I was like, no, no, no. And then I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we do. Um, it belongs to Taylor. And what they said was, you're right, it does belong to Taylor. And it, it's it's maybe good that it's home where it belongs. So we got OJ back. and um, But it is illustrated in their books, Making Sense of FASD, illustrated by Taylor McPhail, age eight, and their Making Sense of FASD book. But it's it's amazing how Oshie's grew and it's we just love the fact that it came from a book. And we've actually, we put on Facebook where we're looking for somebody to make the book into an actual book for us. And this lady came on board and she was like, I would love to make it into an animated book for you and change a couple of the names so that it's no copyright. So she did that. And we've just got it back last week to say it's ready for publishing. And what um, uh, it's like, it's amazing. And I just like, so we're looking for a publisher. <laughs> so if you're listening out there and you would love to publish Taylor's book, O'Shea's, the, um, a, book, a book about FAST by a, a young child that has an FAST, please reach out to Paula or Mary Ellen at, uh, at O'Shea's FAST, which I will post all of the contact information in today's program notes so that you can reach them. I love that. Every time I see that octopus, I just smile. I do because to Mm -hmm. me, knowing the story behind it, you know, it's about a little boy who everybody said you couldn't do something. You can't do something. And we know in this journey, whether, you know, we, we have the diagnosis or whether you're caring for somebody with the diagnosis. And I know we've heard it on our end too, that, you know, some so-and-so will never hear, you know, they'll never be able to do that. And it's really about you just doing something in your own time, you know, and doing something about your strengths, not about what you can't do, but it's about what you can do. So I love that. So yes, so that, and when the book gets published, it's going on our website. We are definitely putting it on our website because that (laughs) is wonderful. That is wonderful. I was going to ask, what are some goals you have for the rest of 2021? But first of all, you're taking the facets facilitator training. That's huge. You're looking for a brick and mortar building for O'Shea's. So that's huge. Getting Taylor's book published is huge. What are some other events that you have happening for the the rest of this year? So we've got We've got a six-week programme for the kids' groups and it's called For the Love of Animals. Um, so here we've got a farm park. Um, so we do our six weeks and we teach them about being in the community and life skills. Life skills. And uh, so what it's going to be is every week you'll learn something about being in the community and about the animals. Um, and then at the end of the week you go to the farm park and you go and see the animals there and you go and play there. Um, so that's what we have got coming up this summer. Um, but we are um, the the. Sorry, I'm going back to Taylor's Oshie's book. Um, Taylor's book obviously was made for somebody with FASD because Taylor made it and he has FASD. But we are now, with Taylor's permission, it is going to be an educational book to teach children about FASD. And this is the first of many. And at the back of the book, it's going to be strategies on how mum and dad got Oshie to the party. So we're going to have um, how Oshie managed COVID, Oshie's first day at school, 
Osi's first date nursery. And we're going to continue with these books, hopefully, and the girl that did it free for us, I've asked her to come on board and do them as a paid project and we'll get funding to help pay that. And we will make them into a series of books with strategies at the back for parents so they can read it to the child because Oshie's got FASD and Taylor said that Oshie can have FASD. I keep saying this, but I love that. I love all of the work that you are all doing and that this is a family organization, you know? Um, I love that. And I'm so excited that O'Shea's, this book is going to be a series. I That would have been something that I would have read to our son, you know, 15, 14 years ago when he was little. So I, I love hearing that. That's so exciting. So, and of course we will be posting updates and giving information. O'Shea's is listed on our resources page as an organization that you can go to for resources and, and for support. Um, so I just, I love hearing that. I'm, I'm so excited for you both. So how can people support O'Shea's FASD so that you can continue, you know, how can people help either fund or support or volunteer? What are some ways that people can help you with O'Shea's and carrying out your mission? Just basically promoting us. Um, I know that says weird, but just like promoting us and getting our name out there so that people will know that we're here because we are quite in the beginning stages and we're still mm -hmm. trying to get out there. I think it's just about promoting us. Yeah, and, and I think we're advertising and getting that out. We're looking for a manager to help manage OGs because he, I um I I'm I'm good at the support groups and giving instruction and I quite like the the workshops and we, we like facilitating, don't we? And you love working with the kids. So my daughter, my oldest daughter, she has um, said, Mum, I can do, I can help you with this, um, but it needs to be a paid job because she's a trained facilitator for kids with additional support needs. And I was like, well, definitely. So we'll, we are trying to get some funding for to fund Haley to come into the business and help it grow. And she is, um, she homeschooled Taylor and his um, grades went zooming up. So we are just, we can't wait. Haley's coming on board. She's been doing voluntary work for us now, keeping us going in the right direction. And I feel that things are moving since she came on because she's like, I can afford her other things. It's like, oh, if I've done it right, if I know I've done it right. And she's like, right, mum, that's it. This is the way it's done. Do, 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 do. And we go with it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I think Oshies has got loads more to come. And I think to help um, our organisation, we we had a wee funder who decided to give us £200 to make ID cards for our kids, which is so important because Taylor had been brought home with the police and the police, because he was tall, the police thought that he was 16 and was not being very nice to him, put him in the car, sent his friends home and brought him home. And they came to the door and they said to my husband, what age is he? And he said he's only 12 at the time. And he's like, oh, I thought he was 16. But that didn't give him the right to swear at him and do the things that he did. So somebody has, has uh, funded us the money to make these ID cards. And that right now they're in with 
Police Scotland to get okayed by the police, and they think it's a marvelous idea. So we're on board with that. That's wonderful. So again, if you want to help support or fund or just find out how you can help O'Shea's FASD, we will be listing their contact information, um, an email, website, everything, so that um, if you any anywhere in the world, you can support their mission, you know, and I love O'Shea's because you're a mighty organization, you know, for the time that you have done what you're doing, you've done so much for not only your community, but I see a ripple effect that goes beyond your community. Yeah. So, and, and yes, I agree hundred percent. We actually have one of those types of cards for our son in his wallet. He's riding around on his scooter on his bike and if he were ever to interact with the police. And I think that's really important for parents to know is that if you have some sort of ID for your student, your for your child, for your loved one to say, I have an FASD so that if there is interaction that they know, okay, I need to hand this to the officer so that they know if I can't share what's going on or anything. So that's yeah. a really, really great project. And that's a wonderful, wonderful point. Again, I've been in awe about what you've been doing for the FASD community. And I love to end our episodes on a hope takeaway. And I think O'Shea's FASD is a hope takeaway. I think your whole organization and your family is a hope takeaway. But I'd like both of you just to share what words of hope you have. So maybe Paula, if you can share to someone who has an FASD or to their families, what words of hope and Mary Ellen, if you, you can also, um, just so that we can end this wonderful conversation uh, with words of hope. So mine would be, I've always said this, to never give up because with a lot of children with FASD, give, they just give up because nobody understands them, nobody supports them. Don't give up. It takes. It will take a while before somebody will support you, and you will get the support. And just never give up. And my hope for um, would be for families to understand their children a lot better, and to get that understanding that they need. They need. I, I think they really do need a diagnosis of FASD, and that is not happening. Doctors don't want to diagnose um, our kids, but if they don't get diagnosed with that, they're going to be diagnosed with being naughty. And I just want people to know that OG's FASD is out there to support anybody, any family, anywhere in the world. We're here um, if you need us. Fantastic words of hope from, from two amazing women um, who are, your family is just doing remarkable things. So how can people get in touch with you? So they can get in touch with us through our website. So it's www.ogsfasd.org or you can email us at info. So it's N I N F O, sorry, at ogsfasd.org. Or you can contact us on 077 Mary Ellen and Paula McPhail of O'Shea's FASD. You will be back on this show. We will have an update because you're doing amazing work. Thank you so much for what you do for the FASD community. And thank you for being on FASD Hope. 
Thank Thank you you for having us. Definitely. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Vecchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com. Or please leave us a five-star rating and follow us on Podbean, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us next week. And remember, to be informed, take care, and always have hope.